0: Unshackled of Pacific Garden Mission presents History's Greatest Sermons, where we share the personal history of godly men who brought forth the truth of the gospel in powerful sermons to a world long ago. And now, here are your hosts, Tim Lundeen and Kelly Robbins. Hey, welcome back to History's Greatest Sermons. Just a reminder, don't forget to download the app. It's Unshackled. You can also check it out at unshackled.org. I gotta plug that every once in a while, otherwise I forget. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, indeed. Today we're going to hear from George Whitfield. Tell Th- me what you know about George Whitfield.
1: Well, let's place him back before the Re- American Revolution. So, 1700s, yeah. early 1700s. Um, that is a name that is always brought up when we talk about the beginnings of mass preaching and okay. somebody who became
0: very, very well known. Sure, sure. What I have is he was born in England in 1714. He began his education at Oxford in 1732. And it wasn't until brothers Charles and John Wesley gave him a book uh, that he really, truly started to wonder, what does it mean to be born again? Yes. That drove him to the scriptures. Yes. Which is a big key into the sermon that we're going to hear about today.
1: He placed huge importance on the scriptures and knowing the scriptures and putting everything that you thought and believed through the, the, the lens of the scriptures.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, some sources call George Whitfield the greatest preacher of the Great Awakening, which is a great title. Uh, He was especially focused on the doctrine of grace, which will be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It says he crossed the Atlantic Ocean 13 times to preach to the colonies in America.
1: That is a a portion of his life because it took weeks and months back then.
0: It wasn't just flying over. It was a long trip, and he took it uh, with a sincere
1: conviction. I believe that part of it was that he was ordained to a pulpit, but he didn't feel that was his calling. He became an itinerant pastor ah, okay. and minister. Sure. So he felt the need to take the message.
0: Well, here is George Whitfield and his sermon, The Duty of Searching the Scriptures.
2: When the Sadducees came to our blessed Lord and put to him the question, whose wife that woman should be in the next life, who had seven husbands in this, he told them they erred, not knowing the scriptures and if we would know whence all the errors that have overspread the church of christ first arose we should find that in a great measure they flowed from the same fountain ignorance of the word of god our blessed lord though he was the eternal god yet as man He made the scriptures his constant rule and guide. And therefore, when he was asked by the lawyer, which was the great commandment of the law, he referred him to his Bible for an answer. What readest thou? And thus, when led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil, he repelled all his assaults with, It is written. A sufficient confutation, this, of their opinion, who say, The Spirit only, and not the Spirit by the word, is to be our rule of action. If so, our Savior, who had the Spirit without measure, needed not always have referred to the written word. But how few copy after the example of Christ. How many are there? who do not regard the word of God at all, but throw the sacred oracles aside as an antiquated book fit only for illiterate men. Such do greatly err, not knowing what the scriptures are. I shall therefore first show that it is everyone's duty to search them, and secondly, lay down some directions for you to search them with advantage. I am to show that it is every person's duty to search the scriptures. By the scriptures, I understand the law and the prophets and those books which have in all ages been accounted canonical and which make up that volume commonly called the Bible. These are emphatically styled the scriptures, and in one place, the scriptures of truth, as though no other books deserved the name of true writings or scripture in comparison of them. They are not of any private interpretation, authority or invention, but holy men of old wrote them as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, The fountain of God's revealing himself thus to mankind was our fall in Adam and the necessity of our new birth in Christ Jesus. And if we search the scriptures as we ought, we shall find the sum and substance, the alpha and omega, the beginning and end of them, is to lead us to a knowledge of these two great truths. All the threats, promises, and precepts, all the exhortations and doctrines contained therein, all the rites, ceremonies, and sacrifices appointed under the Jewish law, nay, almost all the historical parts of Holy Scripture, suppose our being fallen in Adam and either point out to us a mediator to come or speak of him as already come in the flesh." Had man continued in a state of innocence, he would not have needed an outward revelation, because the law of God was so deeply written in the tables of his heart. But having eaten the forbidden fruit, he incurred the displeasure of God and lost the divine image, and therefore, without an external revelation, could never tell how God would be reconciled unto him, or how he should be saved from the misery and darkness of his fallen nature. That these truths are so, I need not refer you to any other book than your own hearts. For unless we are fallen creatures, whence those abominable corruptions which daily arise in our hearts... We could not come thus corrupt out of the hands of our Maker, because He, being goodness itself, could make nothing but what is like Himself, holy, just, and good. And that we want to be delivered from these disorders of our nature is evident, because we find an unwillingness within ourselves to own we are thus depraved, and are always striving to appear to others of a quite different frame and temper of mind than what we are. I appeal to the experience of the most learned disputer against divine revelation, whether he does not find in himself that he is naturally proud, angry, revengeful, and full of other passions, contrary to the purity, holiness, and long-suffering of God. And is not this a demonstration that some way or other he is fallen from God? And I appeal also whether at the same time he finds these hurtful lusts in his heart, he does not strive to seem amiable, courteous, kind, and affable. And is not this a manifest proof that he is sensible, he is miserable, and wants, he knows not how, to be redeemed or delivered from it? Here then, God by his word steps in and opens to his view such a scene of divine love and infinite goodness in the Holy Scriptures that none but men of such corrupt and reprobate minds as our modern deists would shut their eyes against it. What does God in his written word do, more or less? Then show thee, O man, how thou art fallen into that blindness, darkness, and misery of which thou feelest and complainest. And at the same time, he points out the way to what thou desirest even how thou mayest be redeemed out of it by believing in and copying after the son of his love. As I told you before, so I tell you again, upon these two truths rest all divine revelation, it being given us for no other end but to show our misery and our happiness, our fall and recovery, or in one word, After what manner we died in Adam and how in Christ we may again be made alive. Hence, then arises the necessity of searching the scriptures. For since they are nothing else but the grand charter of our salvation, the revelation of a covenant made by God with men in Christ, and a light to guide us into the way of peace, It follows that all are obliged to read and search them, because all are equally fallen from God. All equally stand in need of being informed how they must be restored to and again united with him. I pass on, therefore, in the second place, to lay down some directions how you may search them with advantage. First have always in view the end for which the scriptures were written, even to show us the way of salvation by Jesus Christ. Such the scriptures, says our blessed Lord, for they are they that testify of me. Look therefore always for Christ in the scripture. He is the treasure hid in the field, both of the Old and New Testament. In the old, you will find him under prophecies, types, sacrifices, and shadows. In the new, manifested in the flesh to become a propitiation for our sins as a priest and as a prophet to reveal the whole will of his heavenly Father. Have Christ then always in view when you are reading the word of God and this, like the star in the east, will guide you to the Messiah, will serve as a key to everything that is obscure, and unlock to you the wisdom and riches of all the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Secondly, search the scriptures with an humble, childlike disposition. For whosoever does not read them with this temper shall in no wise enter into the knowledge of the things contained in them. For God hides the sense of them from those that are wise and prudent in their own eyes and reveals them only to babes in Christ who think they know nothing yet as they ought to know, who hunger and thirst after righteousness and humbly desire to be fed with the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Fancy yourselves, therefore, when you are searching the Scriptures, especially when you are reading the New Testament, to be with Mary sitting at the feet of the Holy Jesus and be as willing to learn what God shall teach you as Samuel was when he said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Oh, that the unbelievers would pull down every high thought and imagination that exalts itself against the revealed will of God! Oh, that they would, like newborn babes, desire to be fed with the pure milk of the Word! Then we should have them no longer scoffing at divine revelation nor would they read the Bible any more with the same intent the Philistines brought our Samson to make sport at it. But they would see the divine image and superscription written upon every line. They would hear God speaking unto their souls by it and consequently be built up in the knowledge and fear of him who is the author thereof. Thirdly, Search the scriptures with a sincere intention to put in practice what you read. A desire to do the will of God is the only way to know it. If any man will do my will, says Jesus Christ, he shall know of my doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. As he also speaks in another place to his disciples... To you who are willing to practice your duty, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those that are without, who only want to raise cavils against my doctrine, all these things are spoken in parables, that seeing they may see and not understand, and hearing they may hear and not perceive. For it is but just in God to send those strong delusions that they may believe a lie and to conceal the knowledge of himself from all such as do not seek him with a single intention. Jesus Christ is the same now as formerly to those who desire to know from his word who he is that they may believe on and live by. And to him he will reveal himself as clearly as he did to the woman of Samaria when he said, I that speak to thee am he. Or as he did to the man that was born blind, whom the Jews had cast out for his name's sake, he that talketh with thee is he. Fourthly, in order to search the scriptures still more effectually, Make an application of everything you read to your own hearts. For whatever was written in the book of God was written for our learning. And what Christ said unto those aforetime we must look upon as spoken to us also. For since the holy scriptures are nothing but a revelation from God, how fallen man is to be restored by Jesus Christ, All the precepts, threats, and promises belong to us and to our children, as well as to those to whom they were immediately made known. Thus the apostle, when he tells us that he lived by the faith of the Son of God, adds, who died and gave himself for me. It is this application of Jesus Christ to our hearts that makes his redemption effectual to each of us. And it is this application of all the doctrinal and historical parts of scripture, when we are reading them over, that must render them profitable to us as they were designed for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and to make every child of God perfect, thoroughly furnished to every good work. I dare appeal to the experience of every spiritual reader of Holy Writ, whether or not, if he consulted the word of God in this manner, He was not at all times and at all seasons as plainly directed how to act as though he had consulted the Urim and Thummim, which was upon the high priest's breast. For this is the way God now reveals himself to man, not by making new revelations, but by applying general things that are revealed already to every sincere reader's heart. And this, by the way answers an objection made by those who say, the word of God is not a perfect rule of action because it cannot direct us how to act or how to determine in particular cases or what place to go to when we are in doubt and therefore the spirit and not the word is to be our rule of action. But this I deny and affirm on the contrary that God at all times, circumstances and places though never so minute, never so particular, will, if we diligently seek the assistance of his Holy Spirit, apply general things to our hearts, and thereby to use the words of the Holy Jesus will lead us into all truth and give us the particular assistance we want. But this leads me to a fifth direction, how to search the scriptures with profit labor to attain that spirit by which they were written. For the natural man discerneth not the words of the Spirit of God, because they are spiritually discerned. The words that Christ hath spoken, they are spirit, and they are life, and can be no more understood as to the true sense and meaning of them by the mere natural man, than a person who never had learned a language can understand another speaking in it. The scriptures, therefore, have not unfitly been compared by some to the cloud which went before the Israelites. They are dark and hard to be understood by the natural man, as the cloud appeared dark to the Egyptians. But they are light, they are life to Christians indeed as that same cloud which seemed dark to Pharaoh and his house appeared bright and altogether glorious to the Israel of God. Indeed, how should it be otherwise? For God, being a spirit, he cannot communicate himself any otherwise than in a spiritual manner to the hearts of men. And consequently, if we are strangers to his spirit, we must continue strangers to his word, because it is altogether like himself, spiritual. Labor, therefore, earnestly for to attain this blessed Spirit. Otherwise, your understandings will never be open to understand the Scriptures aright. And remember, prayer is one of the most immediate means to get this Holy Spirit. Therefore, sixthly, Let me advise you, before you read the Scriptures, to pray that Christ, according to his promise, would send his Spirit to guide you into all truth. Intersperse short ejaculations whilst you are engaged in reading. Pray over every word and verse, if possible. And when you close up the book... Most earnestly beseech God that the words which you have read may be inwardly engrafted into your hearts and bring forth in you the fruits of a good life. Do this and you will with a holy violence draw down God's Holy Spirit into your hearts. You will experience his gracious influence and feel him enlightening, quickening, and inflaming your souls by the word of God. You will then not only read, but mark, learn, and inwardly digest what you read. And the word of God will be meat indeed and drink indeed unto your souls. You then will be as Apollos was, powerful in the scriptures. Be scribes, ready instructed to the kingdom of God, and bring out of the good treasures of your heart things from both the Old and New Testament to entertain all you converse with. One direction more, which shall be the last. Seventhly, read the scripture constantly, or, to use our Savior's expression in the text, search the scriptures Dig in them as for hid treasure, for here is a manifest allusion to those who dig in mines. And our Savior would thereby teach us that we must take as much pains in constantly reading his word, if we would grow wise thereby, as those who dig for gold and silver." The scriptures contain the deep things of God and therefore can never be sufficiently searched into by a careless, superficial, cursory way of reading them, but by an industrious, close, and humble application. The psalmist makes it the characteristic of a good man that he meditates on God's law day and night. And this book of the law, says God to Joshua, shall not go out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Search therefore the scriptures not only devoutly, but daily, for in them are the words of eternal life. Wait constantly at wisdom's gate. And she will then, and not till then, display and lay open to you her heavenly treasures. You that are rich are without excuse if you do not, and you that are poor ought to take heed and improve that little time you have. For by the scriptures you are to be acquitted, and by the scriptures you are to be condemned at the last day. But perhaps you have no taste for this despised book, Perhaps plays, romances, and books of polite entertainment suit your taste better? If this be your case, give me leave to tell you your taste is vitiated, and unless corrected by the spirit and word of God, you shall never enter into his heavenly kingdom. For unless you delight in God here, how will you be made meet to dwell with him hereafter? Is it a sin, then, you will say, to read useless, impertinent books? I answer, yes, and that for the same reason as it is a sin to indulge in useless conversation, because both immediately tend to grieve and quench that spirit by which alone we can be sealed to the day of redemption. You may reply, how shall we know this? Why put in practice the precept in the text? Search the scripture in the manner that has been recommended and then you will be convinced of the danger, sinfulness and unsatisfactoriness of reading any others than the book of God or such as are wrote in the same spirit. You will then say, when I was a child and ignorance of the excellency of the word of God, I read what the world calls harmless books as other children in knowledge, though old in years, have done, and still do. But now I have tasted the good word of life, and in come to a more perfect knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, I put away these childish trifling things and am determined to read no other books but what lead me to a knowledge of myself and of Christ Jesus." search therefore the scriptures my dear brethren taste and see how good the word of god is and then you will never leave that heavenly manner that angels food to feed on dry husks that light bread those trifling sinful compositions in which men of false taste delight themselves no you will then disdain such poor entertainment and blush that yourselves once were fond of it. The word of God will then be sweeter to you than honey and the honeycomb and dearer than gold and silver. Your souls, by reading it, will be filled, as it were, with marrow and fatness and your hearts in sensibly molded into the spirit of its blessed author. In short, you will be guided by God's wisdom here and conducted by the light of his divine word into glory hereafter.
0: That was George Whitfield and his sermon The Duty of Searching the Scriptures. Portrayed by Jim McCanns.
1: That was a rather thick oratory. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Not the way that we would listen to a sermon today.
0: And, you know, as hosts, we can actually see the printed sermon. Yes. You know, you're hearing it on on a broadcast somewhere and you're listening to this audio thinking, wow, that's a sermon? A guy stood up (laughs) and, and presented that? Find the text. I would encourage you, if you're listening, find the text. Yes. It's actually really fascinating to to hear it and see it both side by side.
1: Anyway. You can sort of parse it out and see where he's going with yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah. But he made it. He made a ton of great points. Some mm-hmm. of my favorites were the idea that uh, when we read the Bible, we're to look for Christ, not read the Bible for what I need or just whatever my issue of the day is that I, I need a little insight on. Yeah, I should be looking for Christ, and that's through the Old and New Testament. That He is there throughout the whole thing.
1: So less of a guidebook in our approach, much more of a model, yeah. the, the the place where I should become more Christ-like. So I have to look to the model in the life of Jesus.
0: Yeah. And speaking of model, mm-hmm. it was something Jesus did himself when he was tempted in the desert. He didn't just pull up some amazing uh, logic as the creator of the universe. He went to the scripture. Yeah. It was a great example for us. Like This is where Jesus goes. Uh, at the height of his ministry and in the darkest point of his temptations, this is where he goes is to the scripture. And we need to do the same thing.
1: Yes. And prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed (laughs) and prayed. Every other moment, it seems that we're seeing him leaving a little bit.
0: And Whitfield says something about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Praying over every word.
1: Yes, he does. He says, don't uh, take it in the large. You have to do that. But pray over every single word as you go and the spirit will enlighten you. And in other words, he's saying reap. He's go through the field of the words of scripture Mm -hmm. and harvest every single thing that you can get from it.
0: Yeah. I like Whitfield's commitment to scripture, Mm -hmm. his dedication, his encouragement to us to continue to go to the scriptures. Honestly, all of these truths that we believe in, you actually don't get through logic and reasoning alone. It's the it's the word of God that comes to us that gives us something that you could never get anywhere else.
1: I think as you do any reading about Whitfield, if you tend to want to go back and look him up. It, it became apparent he kind of stayed out of the scuttlebutt of the day. Hmm. He stayed out of a lot of the great things that were happening and just kept pointing back to scriptures again and again and again, which is how the Lord asks us to be.
0: Yeah. This has been History's Greatest Sermons, an Unshackled production of Pacific Garden Mission, produced and directed by Timothy Gregory. To hear more Unshackled content, you can download our app. Get it for free at any of the major app stores. For more information, visit unshackled.org. Join us next time as we experience another one of history's greatest sermons.